this is Down by the Bank, Episode 2. I'm Corey. And this is Derek. Uh, today we're going to recap the Jags and Bucks preseason game, among other things. Uh, Derek, what do you have going on this weekend? Uh, man, recording the podcast. Love it. Love the fact that football is back on. Love the fact that it's the weekend. That's it. Nothing else, really. Yeah, I am doing nothing this weekend. Uh, we actually sat... Saturday on the couch, my wife and daughter and I and watched the entire season of Stranger Things. So highly recommend it. Have you started it yet? Yeah, we started into the first episode. Um, Wendy does not like scary things. So we're going to keep going, though. As long as she watches it during the day, I think she'll be okay. Yeah. Well, Nicole doesn't usually like scary movies or shows either, but it, there's more mystery to it than it actually being scary. So I think if she gives it a chance, uh, it'll it'll work out pretty well. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. Netflix has a lot of good original series that have come out, to be honest with you. A um, couple side notes. Down by the River is not an Otis Redding song, so please ignore that from episode one. That is not what that song is called. It's Down by the Dock of the Bay, so I don't know what I was talking about. Um, and we apologize for the audio quality in that first episode. Uh, Derek, for some reason, was recording from his bathroom. I don't really know why. I was not recording from my bathroom, but it sounded like I was recording from an outhouse in the middle of Texas. <laughs> and I like to apologize for saying the word, uh, and you know, 5,000 times. I do not talk like that. So if I say, uh, once or twice, yeah, I get away with it. But I think I said it every other word. And for stat correction, Blake Bortles threw 35 touchdown passes last year, not 31. <laughs> uh, so he had 35 and 18. So. Well, you know, um, people are really like empathetic, you know, um, that, you know, they'll, they'll, but anyway, so yeah, no, definitely we'll lead off any episode with any corrections from the prior week. Um, so just bear with us, but trying to get some guests on the show too. We've, uh, reached out to a couple people. Um, we actually have uh, a guest lined up for episode three, hopefully. I uh, don't want to name names, but uh, we should have something cool coming out for that. And just a reminder to please follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the podcast is available on iTunes as well as SoundCloud for the non-Apple people out there. And so kind of just to get started as far as the preseason goes, Derek, so we're 0-2 in the preseason, and that really is meaningless, correct? It's very meaningless. It's a, a chance to get sharpened and get uh, a lot of reps in as far as live game activity. The the plays for the first team versus through the second and third team on the depth chart, there's a really big gap. We'll get into that. But as far as the first team goes, again, looked very sharp. They didn't get off to quite a quick start as they did against the Jets. But when that happens, hey, you, that's going to happen. You're going to go three and out. As long as you don't turn the ball over or have a big fumble, you know, turnover problems. Right. Um so it, it's going to work itself out. The only reason I bring that up is actually I saw a lot of hate on Twitter from different folks who are, I guess, already sounding the alarms that were 0-2 in preseason. But really, if you separate the record from how the starters have played, it's kind of ridiculous. Here's the key. They're not looking at the reason why the Jags are 0-2 in the preseason. I'm going to list a couple things for you here. 84 plays for the Bucks, 54 plays for the Jags, 131 penalties for, or 113 penalties, excuse me, for 121 yards. 
In time of possession, 36 minutes and 14 seconds for the Bucks, 23 minutes and 46 seconds for the Jags. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to see what those stats are in the first half when we had our first team play most. But clearly, there is a significant drop-off between the first team and the second team as far as talent. So it's not talent anymore. Talent is not the issue. Now it's the actual, the, the little things that they need to clean up, clean up. That's why they're 0-2, in my opinion. So is there anything to be said about the, the backups performing significantly worse than the starters, or should we not be concerned about that at all? Some of those backups are not Caldwell's and Gus's players. Mm. I had a coach, uh, a friend of mine, he's a coach in a different sport, but he's still a passionate coach at, at a high collegiate level. And I talked to him yesterday and he made a point. He, he had a good point. I won't say names, but you know, he had a good point. And that is you can coach him up only so much to the point where it's like, okay, do they or do they not have any talent? Right. And I don't, I don't know, but clearly our first teamers exceptional. Right. Our second team or some of them are really, really good. Really, really good. But when you start getting down there into the third and fourth team, yeah. But here's the thing too. They're killing themselves. It's not even really a question. They, they play in the national football league. So they, they gotta have talent, but they're killing themselves. 121 yards and penalties. That is outrageous. Right. 13 penalties, no team, no starters are going to survive that. If we go up against Green Bay and have 13 penalties for 121 yards, Blake Bortles could have th- four touchdown passes, and we will probably lose that game. Right. Yeah, well, I guess it's good they're cleaning that stuff up now in the preseason versus seeing it game one. Um, and I guess what you're saying is probably true, that the collective effort and performance of the backups doesn't matter so much as us having individual good depth players to come in and spot start for the starters during the regular season so that makes sense uh one thing i'll I'll mention really quick and you can weigh in on this but i saw actually a little message pop up an alert from bleacher report that roy miller's questionable to return for the rest of the preseason um that's probably just keep you know taking it easy with him because of the age and the fact that he's a veteran right yeah, absolutely. They don't want to, you know, risk anymore. They already know what they have in Roy, Roy Miller. He's a great player on the defensive line, going to be there for us in crunch time. So they, there's no need to, you know, test that out. Go ahead and use these next two weeks to heal it up, you know, get the trainers on them and get them ready for week one. Right. Well, I will say Jalen Ramsey, first game, you could you could hear him during the interviews during the week and the week prior getting real antsy. Uh, with the reporters who were essentially, Ryan O'Halloran doesn't want to say it, but essentially drilling down and calling him out for his toughness is what I took away from that. You could tell he was frustrated because I sh- I'm sure it wasn't his decision not to play or put in significant time all the way up till now, but he got in there and you could definitely see the energy from that guy. Absolutely. Jalen Ramsey for the FSU fan, myself, like I said last week, um, for those that don't know him or haven't seen him play, He's special. He he is special. To see him make plays, you know, obviously second preseason game. So not that excited. But to come in and instantly have an immediate impact on the football game. What I mean by immediate, he's following 
Mike Evans down the field. Mike Evans is no slouch. He is a all pro receiver. Go in on third down, third and two, crash down the line and make the play on the running back. And not just a play, the proper tackle. That's, you know, unheard of, not unheard of, but just right off the bat for a rookie DB to come in and make the proper type of right. tackle on the running back there. That's so great player. Can't wait to see him throughout the season. Yeah, he's going to have some ups and downs. He's he's going to get beat, you know, someplace, but hopefully it's very minimal and, you know, we'll see. But so far, hey, he looked great. Energy was there. Glad to see to get him out in the field for a couple of uh, a couple right. of plays. And I think Mike Duraco actually had an article on ESPN, uh, one of his blog posts about, I guess, both passes that Jameis Winston had thrown towards Evans were incomplete with Ramsey in coverage. So I know it's preseason. I know that's pretty limited sample size, but even still, I mean, that's a, that's a great takeaway. Um, and it does seem like, and you'll know more about the the X's and O's aspect of this and why it's important, but they've always said that Gus Bradley prefers those big physical corners. And and again, back to Duraco's post, Ramsey and, and Prince Amukamura seem like they both fit that that role. So uh, do you think Gus Bradley's finally developing developing the defense that he wants around here? Yeah, he is. Everyone talks about Seattle's defense, where he came from. And the size that they have, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, the Jags kind of have that size now to, to combat that. Receivers in the NFL aren't getting smaller. They're getting bigger. You got guys 6'5", 6'6", 230 pounds running, you know, four threes, four fours, and can catch the ball like they're a 12-year vet. That's something they have to combat and they have to try to control with the uh, the passing game, I just you, you can't say anything else. Just when you have those big corners that are physical, but they also have speed. Um, another thing, just with, even with Jalen Ramsey's size yesterday, you know he he played against Jameis Winston for two three years in college. I think it was two two seasons right. in college, so he kind of knew where he was gonna. You know he 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 knows his tendencies. Although it's you know it's the NFL, you know I bet you a couple of those plays he kind of knew what he was right. thinking. So we'll, you know, we'll see as the, as the season goes along, especially when we get into the regular season, when he plays against, you know, top notch you know quarterbacks. Now, if he does some of these plays against Aaron Rodgers and green Bay, then I'll be even higher praise on him. And I'm already high, but even higher praise because that'll be, that'll be something right. special. But, but yeah, that, that size was is that great. him. And who was that, that, that like threw, uh, Winston to the ground like I think it was like the first series I thought it was him and Telvin Smith right it was it was Telvin and that you know, every oh do they not like each other anymore I saw that on Twitter I'm like no it's competition these guys are in the National Football League they their college days are over okay Out, outside the field remember I said about Greg Hardy you can be mean on the field but not mean right. off the field they're mean on the field that's what you want just because they went to school together and they, you know, won a national title, they don't need to be buddy buddy all the time. You tell and threw them the ground like, look, yeah. I don't care, I yeah. got to win, <laughs> and that's what we need as a team. That's what the honestly, Jags I need. think I was reading. I don't. They didn't say this exactly, but it seemed like most of the coaches, in essence, were saying, "We'll we're okay with 
those types of penalties. We don't want the the offsides and, and that sort of stuff. But it sounds like they're okay with those type of aggressive physical penalties like that occasionally. Maybe just to kind of shift the mindset of the game a little bit. Those penalties are are fine because it shows your tenacity and nastiness mm-hmm. as a defense. But you still don't want them. So that's a good balance. That's a coaching thing that Gus Bradley's going to yeah. figure out. But it's easier to clean that up than it is to try and coach up players whose talent levels aren't right, so right. great. I don't know. It just seems like the theme through the first two preseason games is that those guys are aggressive, physical. They'll, they're willing to fight. So I, I, I like it personally. It seems like a shift from the prior years. Um, what do you think about the, the black top jerseys and the white pants? Those are pretty sweet, right? Favorite colors black, so definitely they probably uh if they play during the day they won't go black tops. We'll probably see them first game of the season in white on white, I bet, because of being so hot here, just like uh last year when they played Carolina, we went with the white on white. So uh but yeah, no, the definitely not, yeah, always good to see that teal and black. So shifting gears to the uh the offense and Blake Bortles. Um Blake Bortles is awesome. Is number one, eight of 11, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that's ridiculous. Um, him and A-Rob, uh, again, another highlight catch, uh, looking pretty good in that respect. Uh, what do you think about the passing game in that last game? Hearns had a cut, touchdown catch as well, as did Yeldon. The passing game got the first drive. It kind of, eh, you know, they had to work out right. some kinks, you know, but the second drive, they really started to figure some things out, get a couple plays down the field, get some first downs, and it resulted in the touchdown pass to Yeldon. The running game looked strong, too. You know, I'm a great advocate of the running game. Play action on that touchdown pass to TJ Yeldon, you saw play action sucked in and then froze the linebacker. That's how Yeldon was able to get out in the flat. And he was why he he basically the safety came over the corner came over but it was too late. That that's what I'm talking right. about right there. It the running game makes it so much easier to throw right. the ball. Um, the second touchdown pass that he had was shows the improvement. Not just was shows the improvement of Blake Bortles. The look off. He looked one way to the left. Even did a little hesitation, slight little shoulder movement, pump fake, and the safety went over to the left, and then he just fired it to the right. He didn't even look. He just turned his head and threw it. That shows not only that he's getting better, but they've been working out together, the receivers and Bortles, and the consistency of the the, the, the play between them. That was big. And yeah, again, preseason, yeah, it's a touchdown, but I was excited for the fact that he manipulated the safety into going one way and then he went the other way. Right, right. That is one thing I noticed in the replays. And again, you, you follow those minute details a little bit more so than me, but you could see his head on sort of a swivel going back and forth, looking all over the field. And so you're saying that contributes to, to Hearns and the other guys getting open. Yeah, that's what you have to do. To, as a quarterback in the NFL, you have to manipulate. Let's go back really to the uh, preseason game against the Jets in the first week when Telvin and, and, and Puzz got, you know, they got beat. They got the, the tight end got behind them. 
The reason why is because Fitzpatrick manipulated Telvin with his eyes. He looked, he, he stared down that second tight end. Telvin jumped it and then Fitzpatrick took his eyes off and threw it. And before Telvin knew it, it was behind him. That wasn't his fault. I bet you it, did. it wasn't his fault. That scheme, that's something they got to address and look at. But if they can do it, why can't we? And we, we have just as much talent at the receiver and tight end position as anyone in the National Football League. So that's something that I look forward to that, that, uh, that, and that maturity and that improvement in, game, in Blake Bortles' game. Well, the running game you're saying is contributing to the passing game uh, playing well. So Yeldon and Ivory uh, combination look awesome again. Seems like a great one-two punch. Yeldon only had two carries, but he averaged seven yards per carry. So obviously he's doing pretty well if you include the touchdown catch. Um, but Chris, I mean, that, Ivory seems like maybe the, the free agent pickup. What do you think? Cause I mean, that guy looks awesome. He's just what the doctor ordered. So six carries, 25 yards, 4.2. Reiterate that 4.2 yards per carry. If the game goes along, if this was a regular season game, if you're averaging four and seven yards per carry with your two running backs, you're going to win the football game. Because you're going to control the clock, you're going to have more plays, and you're going to wear out the defense. Now, I'm not sure. I don't recall if I saw Gerald McCoy playing for the Bucks. I don't think he did. So that is going to – Gerald McCoy is their big right. run stuffer. So, you know, those numbers could be a little bit yeah, inflated. But – if you look at it just from a whole, from the team getting better each day, each practice, each each uh, preseason game, each expedition, exhibition, each scrimmage, you'll right. take it every yeah, day. Yeah, I don't see so. him on the stat sheet, but I mean, doesn't necessarily mean he didn't play, but he certainly wasn't on the stat sheet, so he probably probably didn't. But um, but yeah, no, that, that's my thing is how much does the passing and the running game. And I don't know if I'm looking at this backwards, contribute to the offensive line playing better because it seems like we're hearing, and again, first two preseason games, but there isn't a lot of emphasis on Jokel anymore as there was. I mean, did he play well or is he playing well because of the offense having better players and better talent or am I looking at that backwards? No, you're, you're looking at it the right way besides the better talent. He, and he did play well. He played very well, actually. Uh, got a lot of high praise from the coaching staff after the game. But when you're able to do so many things on offense, you can hide the weaknesses that you may have. Last year, the weakness was they couldn't run the ball. So they said, okay, they can't run the ball. They're going to throw it. So we'll just, you know, we'll focus on certain things on defense on the opposing team. And then we know on the left side they're weak on the offensive line. So if we need to get to them on third down, we'll pressure the left side, and and that'll be the end of it. Now you don't, you don't, you don't have that, especially if he's playing well. Yeah, well, there's nothing but, I mean, from the Jaguars' perspective and Dave Caldwell's perspective, even if they sign Calvin Beecham, I mean, obviously the optimal scenario would be to, for him to stick around and play left tackle and start for the Jaguars. I actually searched on Twitter as you were talking uh, Mike K and also O'Halloran, um, K from First Coast News, O'Halloran from the Times Union, quoted Gus Bradley as saying that Jokel's performance last night was his most physical game as a Jaguar. And so, like, even Mike K's tweet said it took three seasons and two preseason games to get here. So has he turned the corner? We'll find out. Still too early, but I would agree. 
most physical preseason game, most physical game he's had in a Jaguar uniform. And for those that want him gone, we want him to stay. We want him to get better. We want him to improve. Because then we don't have to waste another free agency pickup or draft pick on an offensive lineman. And then we can address other things. What those things will be, right. who knows. But we don't have to, you know, right. get well, rid of And it helps, too, now that we have the depth uh, with Beecham. I mean, even if Jokel performs really well and sticks around and starts, you know, at least we're not stuck. At least we have another option and a guy that they think is good enough to step in. Um, so that's, I mean, the offense overall, it seems pretty promising. I'm excited. Um, the defense, you know, second half, but it was still really cool. Uh, Josh Johnson had that 70 plus yard interception touchdown return. I don't know if we even really want to talk about that, but it was cool nonetheless. Um, and then Gratz had the tip interception. So regardless of first half, second half, it's good to see them getting some turnovers. Yeah, it is. That is a really good sign not just the interception but to get your hands on the football to be able to tip it and pick it off or pick it off fumble whatever it may be anytime you have a defense that's scrappy that's going after the football ball hawking that makes a world of a difference and see the ball get tipped and picked off and then picked off and ran back that's what that 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 makes things so much better. It really does. So definitely excited to see some some interceptions and, and getting your hands right. on the ball. Zero sacks, though. I don't know. It seems like, uh, and again, preseason, but did we kind of work backwards on the sacks and, and the pressure a little bit? Um, and I hate to even say that. It sounds crazy because it seems like Jameis Winston was under pressure, right? I mean, he had no, no completions for, I think, the first couple series. Yeah, it, it was. It, to not get any sacks, is that's our glaring hole that we're trying to improve on defense is the putting pressure on the quarterback. Tampa, their offensive line is subpar so it, at best, so it makes you wonder, did they do anything different? There were some plays where Jameis Winston checked out of a, a current play to put him in a better position. So that just shows to his maturity as a quarterback and he's getting, getting better. But still we gotta find ways to get pressure on the quarterback. I don't think that they showed their hand either. There's probably some plays and some things that Gus Bradley has in the playbook that none of us have seen or will never see until the regular season, especially with the characters and the players that he has now. And I say characters meaning guys that can get after the ball, the Malik Jacksons, the, the the uh, Jared Rodgers those 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 guys together as a unit not necessarily individually so we'll, we'll see but I, I'll still I, I'll take interceptions I'll take hands on the ball just you know we'll that's something we'll have to work yeah. on the sacks. well and I'm looking at uh again back to the Times Union one of O'Halloran's blog posts he uh, said that uh, Winston only had or I guess Winston had no completions against the starting defense. Uh, however, the starting defense rushed five or more on two of seven dropbacks by Winston. So it's almost like they got a lot of pressure without actually, or at least they, they bottled up Winston a little bit without actually having to blitz that often. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. The, the getting pressure on him makes him, you know, the, the ball not be so consistent or accurate. 
there were some drop passes by some Tampa receivers. I think I saw one or two. I think one receiver was scared to come across the middle. He kind of alligator-armed it a little bit. That's good stuff. But, again, Winston kind of, you know, he he – he kind of got away and was able to scramble and do some things. And a lot of the times, the reason why he got bailed out was there was a couple you know, personal foul. There was one one questionable pass interference call. So we'll we'll see how that turns out when we get to the regular season. But for now, it it still is. It, it was good, you know. If if the Jacks didn't have those penalties in that first couple of drives, that would have been three and out right away and. Blake Bortles would have had the ball. Blake Bortles and company would have had the ball in good right. field position. I didn't know Winston and the Tampa Bay offense was top five last year. They said that on the broadcast. I had no idea. That's another reason Doug Martin didn't oh. play. Doug Martin, yeah. So I don't think Doug Martin played at all yesterday. Uh, let's see here. I want to say I don't he remember hearing his name. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't play either. So with Peyton Barber and Storm Johnson yes. for the most part. Storm Johnson played though. That guy's coming back for the Pro Bowl, I guess, after we let him go, right? He's gonna be good. <laughs> I don't know. He'll be a third down back for them. You know, he might do some things, but unfortunately, here it didn't work out in Jacksonville because we got a little bit of crowded backfield. We picked up, you know, Chris Ivory. So four is four is already a crowd. Five was right. too much. So I'm glad he was able to get with the team, though. He, he's a good player. So we'll kind of uh, wrap up just a little bit. Um, I will tell you, uh, Werner, two solo tackles, your guy. Uh, you think he's going to start, I think, is what you projected. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't project that <laughs> at all. I, I, I love my I love my Seminoles in the NFL, but I, I know better. And look at Aguayo, man. Missing yeah, more kicks. What, what a good dumb. night. Oh man. I didn't look at the I never I mean I didn't go back and like look at the projections on where he was gonna be drafted, but I'm sorry. Like that is a dumb draft pick, isn't it? I mean We're gonna have an episode at the end of the season on how many Pro Bowlers were selected or rookie first team, all rookie team guys were selected after Aguaya. We're gonna have a, a episode on the podcast dedicated to that. I, I guarantee it. And we're going to have plenty to talk about because there's going to be yeah. plenty of them. Well, I was going to say, like, as far as, um, and, and spe- you know, briefly on special teams, Nortman look awesome. So, again, back to that topic, he is definitely going to start not only because of the contract he got, but because um, he's the better punter. Um, Myers looking better. I'm not as afraid of him anymore. So I think maybe he's beaten that, uh, that, that pressure bug or whatever it was from last year. Um, but Corey Grant. I mean, that guy looks pretty good, right? I mean, that guy is fast. You can't reproduce that type of speed. That is something that the reason why he's on the team, in my opinion, if he can keep his hands on the football and get a little bit uh, secured a little bit better, then he can definitely help the team win. Uh, another area really quick, I wanted to, to backtrack a second since you mentioned Corey Grant's special teams. We gotta find somebody, find eleven guys that want to tackle the ball on kickoffs. I don't know if we got if the Jags got the early memo about the NFL canceling kickoffs. We must have because <laughs> 30, 40 yards on a kickoff return and fifteen, twenty yards on a punt. Look at it this way: if it's if we punt the ball on fourth down and the punter punts the ball fifty mm-hmm. yards, you say, "Oh, that's a good kick." But if they return at 15 yards, that's a net average of 35. That no, no, right. not good. 
yeah, not I get it they, off. So we gotta we gotta get that some something has to happen to get yeah, that. Yeah, it's actually addressed. something a uh, scoop I was about to drop. They actually got a secret memo that uh, kickoffs and and pumps are going away week one. So that, they don't care about that. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Then it's going to be a long <laughs> afternoon. That and day. the last thing, so so backup quarterbacks, uh, common combination of four interceptions, and I think if you take away, I think Bortles had 85 yards, but it's like 53 yards total between the rest of the quarterbacks. Um, so Bortles, we need to make sure he doesn't go down because I don't know if it's Henny's like jitters and just getting some stuff out in the preseason, but Henny. Wittick and Allen, I mean, they had one completion. So are those guys going to be on the team as a third quarterback, or is, is Allen probably just going to be a practice squad guy that we hang on to and try to develop? I think they might get rid of one and put the other on the practice squad and just have two like they usually have. I, I don't recall the Jags ever having three guys yeah. dress at quarterback, so they might Well, get I remember rid of reading one. before the season they thought about if Allen was as good a prospect as they thought he may be and developmental players they thought he may be that they would consider, you know, maybe moving Henny or, or try to, you know, dump his salary and plug Allen in at that backup spot. But I don't think that's even with the two interceptions by Henny, I don't think that's something they need to do at least this season. Blake Bortles knocking on wood, praying, God forbid he gets hurt. We're right. in trouble. So we need everybody out there. Do your prayers tonight. All right. Every day, pray for offensive line to, to hold up, for Bortles to be healthy. Because um, I will tell you, when he got knocked out of bounds, which I think was a retaliation from that Winston uh, hit earlier in the game, when Bortles went and got knocked out of bounds in that last game and flew across the sidelines and into that bench area, my heart stopped. I, we can't be dealing with that. No, no, not at all. So. We'll see, but I don't think they're gonna carry four quarterbacks. Obviously, I think they're gonna they're gonna cut one and to go. I got the stats right here in front of me. Five of twenty-one. The three backup quarterbacks went after Bortles was out the game. Five of twenty-one for fifty-three yards and four yeah, interceptions. That's like my stats when I play you and Madden. I think. <laughs> Side note, really quick story. Uh, I used to play Madden. Uh, casually and i thought i was pretty good and we had a work uh trip together one time in a hotel and i brought for my room i brought my xbox and madden and i played Derek, and uh he takes it very seriously and he demolished me i had no idea what i was doing he would change his players around and make plays against me and like scheme around the like one or two plays that i was comfortable using which more often than not was hail mary and make the quarterback just run and uh, I traded in my Xbox after that. It wasn't worth it to me anymore. I have no comment to that because I don't recall that story. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, um, all right, well, I'm just going to kind of wrap it up now. I appreciate everybody listening to Down by the Bank. Again, please like us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, at Down by the Bank, all one word, uh, to see when the new episodes are out. You can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you could please rate and review us on iTunes, that would be uh, greatly beneficial. It kind of moves us up the charts and makes us more visible to other people. Um, so we'll see you next week. And honestly, we might even have an episode coming out in the next couple days. So just stay tuned. I'll see you guys later. All right, guys. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.